Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of The Wafflers where we dissect social justice in a way that is digestible for you all. I am your host Beatrice and I'm joined here again by Dina. Dina. <laughs> you may recognize her from our episode on makeup and when we talked all things makeup madness. And today we're going to be talking about fertility and in particular, as you can see, we're talking about babes, babies, and bloody fertility. So, Dina, let's start with you then. Like, childhood aspirations, ideas of motherhood, how do you think that institutionalization of motherhood and fertility in society has impacted the way you live your life? Well, I think the at least the way I was raised, I think since early, early childhood, I've known that women have children or, like, every woman has children down to the part where i thought as you get married you get a baby just as just something that happens as an instinct rather than uh rather than a choice or a decision somebody makes about their life so yeah if that if that says anything yeah it's just like kind of that natural progression it's not really something that is considered and is yeah. not taken into account or a challenge exactly it's it's simply a step exactly and i think talking about fertility it's really interesting because there's a lot of misconceptions around fertility and a lot of the times actually fertility and specifically the lack of fertility is not really diagnosable and you can't really pinpoint mm. one sole cause to it and or so we have listed is, there isn't really even a way of lifestyle that you can take or like changing it yeah, as yeah, well yeah. it's not like i'm aware of it at 10 and i'm taking steps to prevent what endometriosis or whatever pcos that yeah. you could get in the future exactly so there's a lot of reasons and factors that can contribute to infertility but a lot of the time it can be undiagnosable and so we have a lot of misconceptions around mm. fertility that we think have been ingrained in us as we have mm. kind of matured and grown up in this society mm. and so the first one is that you can be pregnant at any time so that's a very at common one anytime you mean between when you get your period to when you get your menopause yes especially for oh. women Oh. And in terms of like sexual education, it's like this idea that very interesting that we did not learn about it at school. We ju- you just learned that you get pregnant, and you never learned that you- it's easy to get pregnant when you're like 15, but it might not be as easy when you're 40. Yeah, and so it's very much also like very cyclical in terms of biological mm. periods. You obviously have mm. on your period not as common to get pregnant but when you're ovulating for example in terms of biology it Mm -hmm. is more likely and when you have fertile peaks for example it's more Mm -hmm. but i think it is a real failing of the sexual education system on many accounts to not consider this facet of it's actually a very large spectrum and as you said age does play a part in it to me it was like when i started like looking into it and being personally interested because like despite what the like what's been institutionalized in my brain i think just generally as a person myself just how i've turned out i've like always had a positive outlook on children or wanting to have children in the future but like one thing that really shocked me when i started looking into like the fertility side of like reproduction was that 
how uneasy you could get in your like off to your 35 and it being called a geriatric pregnancy Mm -hmm. and also like the balance in schools between like oh gender equality and how to strive for a career and the best without like holding back at family planning because i think like as a when being introduced into high school you're thinking like or at least what was going through my brain was that like oh the only thing that could stand in the way is a maternity leave you know for gender equality yeah but then you find out that there's so many more layers oh i don't Uh know if this is proper english you might want to cut it but no (laughs) no it's fine (laughs) this is uncut raw version but like i think there's a lot of underlying factors that do Mm. play into it so like unpaired unpaid care work so Mm. according to the oecd up to two to ten times more housework is being placed on women rather than men and Mm. that factors into time because that's ages right and that's actually a large factor of why a large number of women around the world specifically for example in japan and east asia are choosing not to get married because Mm -hmm. the expectation of this like traditional family Mm. nuclear unit is really detrimental to the kind of well-being and the attitude of women around Mm. life and there's a wonderful video about walks and their host chloe abrams talks about um cleo abrams sorry talks about should she have kids in light of Mm. so many different things and there is a wonderful shot in that video where they are on a rock climbing wall and they use it to model the difference in pay earnings and the woman actually only gets back to the same place she started about nine years after the birth and at 18 there's still this large gap even though she's kind of regained her footing i suppose and that's 18 years old and that's an immense amount of time that's almost two decades that you are sacrificing of your career to recover financially as a woman and I, yeah, and I guess this just it's something I think the issue of fertility is to be discussed as sex ed for boys and girls, especially like no matter what kind of like couple you are and especially like any yeah any type of like di- couple dynamic, you want to know that like what kids will do and taking like that pay gap, I guess it more comes from the idea of being a heteronormative society that mm. there is a man and a woman in a family unit and mm. a woman would take the like majority hit yeah 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 but like if it was a homosexual couple like it wouldn't necessarily be a man and a woman that's one like but there would certainly be one yes there would be one parent that would be taking those hits uh well but that's a bit sidetracking but (laughs) the point is that it's relevant to every gender and that if it's educated to both boys and girls and expecting like in some like cultural in like majority ways of heteronormativity educating it would help because then both parties are aware what what steps need to be done to like reduce that gap because if a, if guys also know that um the pay gap isn't an imaginary thing that feminists are saying just to continue pushing their agenda but it's just a part of in a way failed teamwork because of that in an equal distribution yeah of chores and i think there is improvements i think like it like 
in some family units there might be where guys want to step up and do more chores. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm done with that rant. <laughs> yeah, and I think just to kind of condense what she was saying, you can tell we haven't done this in a while, mm-hmm. is just this idea of no matter who you are, it's a very relevant conversation, especially if you are or if you aren't interested mm-hmm. in fertility. And I think that's also something that has to be discussed is that fertility... Not a very unplanned train of thought for me. Yes. Sorry. It is just like a biological thing, yes, mm. but whether you, I suppose, deploy it or you use your fertility mm. or you choose to start a family in that sense, mm. in any kind of sense, in terms of surrogacy and other methods, which we'll get into later, I think it's really viable discussion to be having whoever you are, guys, gals, non-binary, babies, Mm. and Mm. I think it is something that is worth having because it is relevant to our society because, and maybe this will spark another rant on Dina's end, but our fertility is declining and it's something that Dina is very passionate about. Well, thanks to Sex Explained on Netflix. I don't know whether it was more educational or fear-inducing on my part, but the fact that, like, uh, male sperm count is, like, I'm not gonna, I don't think you should hold me for the statistics, but they've significantly reduced from what a grandfather's of our, like, Gen Z-ers kind of timeline uh, is, like, about half the sperm count. I don't know if I said that right, but... The problem is is that if this is about like 80 years of development and there's 50%, what's going to happen in another 80 years? 80 years is that going to mean there's going to be zero sperms? I mean, there are a lot of guys on this planet, but what if? And I think that's one thing that um, people should just tackle climate change, especially if you're, if you're thinking about the survival of, this, of the human race. <laughs> I think you should tackle... Um, climate crisis. The climate crisis because in addition to other reasons but because your sperm counts lowering i mean not to say that women's egg count is lowering but a woman still isn't like like the amount of eggs that a woman has like it's not it's it, already strategically yeah, low for yeah every woman. yeah that it's yeah and like we're also affected by microplastics but just exactly. putting it out there and there's a wonderful tweet by greta thunberg that does point it out and she does say, oh, hey guys, I like, hope to see you all in the next climate strike. And that <laughs> study show that plastic is harming male sperm count. So it is something that leads on to our next one, which is actually it's pretty 50-50 what gender is infertile. I think last month was National Impotence Month. And so it's something that should be discussed since... Mm. A lot of the time, it might seem like it's the woman's fault, especially if she can't get pregnant, because mm-hmm. they are such like visceral, visible creatures that we yeah. see. They are the ones that are pregnant. Mm-hmm. And we don't really sense the male involvement in it, so to speak. And mm. it's really why miscarriages, for example, and stillbirths put a lot of strain on families and women in particular, because this kind of conditioning that this is our duty and this is what we're Mm. supposed to do has been implemented 
and so deeply into our kind of being and into how we see ourselves as people on this planet and it's important I think to step away from that thinking in the same way that we should be stepping into more knowledge about it and understanding Mm -hmm. that there are these issues that we need to tackle e.g. climate change and it's just everything's interrelated exactly that's why intersectionality is a really big thing right now in terms of social activism because everything is just related one after the other and everything kind of has this knock-on effect and it's really about changing this cycle of like cultural violence and structural violence and like oppression that you know falls equally and oppositely on different people and different groups differently but it does affect marginalized and minority groups the most so it's something that should be Consider, like, for example, black mothers mm. in the U.S. are more mm-hmm. likely to die of maternal like complications, and why is that? Well, there's because there's racial bias in healthcare, and yeah. so there's things as well and that factor socioeconomic into fertility. Gaps of people like fertility yeah. is very expensive. Like IVF mm-hmm. treatments go for thousands of dollars, and like it's not, and it's not just like the even monetary cost of things it's the emotional cost of mm-hmm. IVF and all these fertility treatments that are out there like the two sides to every coin like yes it's yeah. a miracle that okay the nat- like the natural way in quotation marks just me and another pet peeve of mine of a natural way of like conceiving and giving birth mm-hmm. doesn't exist natural is as long as it's human mm-hmm. um, but where I was going with is that like uh, IVF is just for one cycle and it's a lot of preparation, lots of hormones, lots of lifestyle changes, and lots of just things I did not imagine knowing could go into having a child. 100%. It's kind of into, I guess, this last segment. We're going to be talking about a lot of artificial oh, reproductive technologies. But especially that if you're told in schools that... Uh, getting pregnant is the worst thing that could happen to you and then learning about like IVF and stuff just it's a different perspective yes thank you for jumping in so seamlessly (laughs) (laughs) this is not a very planned out episode I hope you forgive us it's very sporadic but it's very authentic in terms of what we believe and we Mm. think very similarly on these things we have just a lot to say and we're going to be talking about artificial reproductive technologies as i was saying we'll call them arts it's very interesting and so i took a course on this this summer and there's so many different types there's ivf as dina has um, pointed out there's IUI, there's surrogacy, and this idea of designer babies. What do you understand by the term designer babies, Dina? Um, that I guess it's not done by uh, penis and vagina? Okay. Yes. <laughs> it, the concept of designer babies is yes, it is artificial and IVF, but actually it's interesting how people can now genetically choose. Mm what sperm looks the best like in terms of microscopic yeah. level and yeah. in terms and of like tail head shape biologically yeah. features and also it's 
springing an interesting debate on what features and whether it's ethical to choose to choose features mm. and gender even in some cases and you have a lot of different um, stances on this and you have kind of different layers because different people might search mm. for fertility for different reasons yeah. and it is something that I suppose is going to be very relevant as we have aging populations and as we have depleting fertility mm. in today's society and I just want to know like your stance on where we need to draw an ethical boundary on these <laughs> things well I think one, one thing that first came to my mind as you were to- like explaining and just giving a little context to this was that like the research that we did for the abortion theme and now MUN ECA uh, was that how e- like how straight away we think that technology should be okay when it's to produce a baby and to go with that institutionalized idea that everyone needs a child whereas when it comes to like abortions like or becoming or choosing to be infertile is there's such a different process of permission and people wanting to intervene scientifically with your body Uh, and I think that's where I'm torn in the ethical boundary because if I believe that if you decide that you want a baby which I believe is a very like natural like desire to have uh, to some people uh, I cannot also then go and say that it's uh, because I believe it's natural to want to have a baby it's always okay to go for IVF and to go for scientific interference if then I would say that you would need like more stages of approval for becoming to choosing to be infertile because of a personal choice and getting that kind of scientific intervention with your body for that choice. Mm. And it's a really interesting article that we came across a few like weeks ago that we had an argument over. It was about there is a procedure that is non-reversible and it makes women permanently infertile. And we were talking about the implications of doing so because a lot of people do struggle with it. And mm like you said there is such a clear double standard because if you say that these people are for example they want to be fertile and everyone in society says with a lot of sympathy as well that they should be able to do this and to enact Mm -hmm. their choice but i think it is as you said very correctly the idea of abortion and choosing in in a sense to be infertile is so frowned upon and i think it's really difficult because where do you draw that line and we're not proposing any answers because I don't think we're qualified <laughs> or anyone is qualified yeah but it's just the discussion and getting these thoughts but like, I think the article that we were mainly uh, thinking about was the, the implication of it being that I had more of a problem with of like fertility being an oppressor rather than like the choice of it it wasn't that like the beliefs of whether it should or shouldn't be allowed it was whether the idea that fertility is oppressive that i think is not in my point of view the like correct way of yeah, looking at it yeah, yeah yeah because it is something that you know for better or worse we are 
granted the choice to have and it's mm. disheartening to see that a lot of people are stripped of that choice either way mm. for a lot of reasons as you said socio-economically mm. and culturally there's so much stigma around like even discussing the idea of fertility and it kind of boils down to i guess this idea of how we as young people because this is a podcast for young people <laughs> that how do we change that as we mature in this society and we come to the age where you might start thinking of in terms of society's expectations you might start thinking of this is when I will start choosing to be fertile or infertile choosing to have a family or to not have a family actually this also makes me think of this one moment as talking about socioeconomic reasons for having children it was this one geography lesson I'm not sure what year it was in but we, it was a discussion over like overpopulated countries. I think like Bangladesh we had a case study on. And I would, like, my main question was like, how can like it be even allowed for people that are like, you know, so like, why do they choose even as a personal family unit to have more kids than they can support? Because in my head then, whatever age I was at like early early teens uh it just didn't add up in my mind why like I'm not really like sure where I'm going why with it. yeah this kind of mm. I guess coming from an impoverished place like the Philippines mm. you do see it a lot in like slums like mm. uh, the kind of average birth rate is particularly high mm. and you kind of are do ask yourself why do they choose to do that to, and put their children through that mm. But then it's also like... But there are way more layers of like... Education is really yeah. important and access to contraceptives, I would say, I think. Mm. But I think where I was going more with that was after like a discovery that... Like personal, like talking to people about that opinion was that like... It's not completely unethical to have children as well in those kind of circumstances. Like if we are going to be thinking of freedom and of like... Pers- like autonomy over decision making yeah yeah like we can't control how many children we want to have or not obviously that if granted that the people that have a lot of kids chose to have a lot of kids or just because of the way you know they were raised yeah yeah yeah. but yeah it is something that is really you know contentious and as i said we are only here to propose questions and not necessarily answer them and i think Asking a lot of questions might get us to eventually a solution in somewhere in the future. Mm. But we have rambled and waffled on for far too long. I have been Beatrice, accompanied by Dina. And this has been the Wafflers Podcast. Hopefully we have made this discussion of a very little covered topic in terms of young Mm. people. A little bit more interesting, a little bit more easy to sink your teeth into and we will see you next time thank you